Welcome to the Jerry T Podcast. I'm joined by Dave Shields, and it is an exciting day. Not just because we got a very spicy BNR announcement, but also uh, we have our first ad read in a very long time, and uh, definitely the first one since you've been here. And I told you that we we have an ad read, uh, but that's about all I told you. Yeah, you refuse to share more information. So cliffhanger for me. Yeah, so there, there's some lore here. So I was born in Minnesota, and there was a kid. Uh, I was also a kid at this time, like at my first FNM by the name of Andrew Lipkin. I think he was maybe 14. I was 15 or something. Fast forward like 15 years later, I'm one of the groomsmen in his wedding. So overall, kind of cool. Uh, definitely one of my closest friends, uh, people who, one of the people who is just a very, very good person, I would say. And like by extension has, you know, made me a better person, just like being around him and uh, getting like his perspective on things and the way he thinks about things and stuff like that. So now he is the co-owner of a store in Minnesota called Lodestone Games. And the store is wonderful. Uh, another one of the co-owners is Ryan Overturf, who used to do SCG commentary. So folks probably know of him at the very least. Yeah, that's a name I recognize. And uh, he was also the person who texted me when we were recording last week's show that was just like, come to Minnesota. Just like apropos of nothing and not talking to, talk to him in like two months or something. And my immediate reaction to that while I was in the middle of this tirade of like, oh, I'm traveling too much. I just need a break. was like, yo, that sounds fun. I miss Andrew. I should definitely do that. And I was like, what the hell is wrong with me? You know? So yeah, Minnesota in December is not exactly the most appealing of destinations. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not trying to do that either. So, you know, may, probably wait a few months. So at least that'll be good. But definitely a thing that I want to do. And uh. Yeah, Andrew Andrew is great. Andrew is awesome. The store is awesome. Uh his his wife's last name is Funk and she's a doctor. So her name is Dr. Funk, which is incredible. <laughs> That's fantastic. And she lives up to that name somehow, which I don't think is fair. Right? Like she is just like very cool, very funny, very awesome. They're both great. Uh anyway, this week the random text that he sent me was uh, do you do you still drink sugar-free Red Bull? And I was like, well, I I tried, but I like so much of my calories that I consume, I think, are through Red Bull that I just felt like hungry all the time. So now I do like a mix. So I was like, I don't know, man, like both, you know, they're both good. Like I, I should be drinking the diet once more probably, but who knows? And he was like, okay, well, if I send you a case, will you do an ad read for me? And cases of Red Bull are not cheap. But market value for an ad read doesn't line up. But it's it's my boy. You know, I'm I'm willing to cut him a deal. And also just the novelty, the story, I think is is funny too. It is worth it. Yeah. So and I'm gonna do that. Support a local store. Yeah, that too. Uh so I I think I just got the case today. Like, man, man is speedy, right? Like he was just like What's your address? Okay, boom, we'll be there, you know, in two days or whatever. Just like, damn, okay. So that's that's the kind of operation y'all are dealing with. But I was like, yeah, just give me like a list of bullet points. Uh, all like I already know a bunch of stuff and certainly can provide a lot of the like lore and everything because 
a lot of the stores, like if you don't know the people involved, it's like they're all kind of the same, right? But it's like now I tell you like Ryan Overturf is involved with this place and whatever, like maybe it kind of like endears you to the store a little bit. And I can do that because I, I have a, a history or relationship with some of these folks. And he was like, no, we're not doing that. I'm going to write you a script. And my initial reaction to that was, it's silly. I don't like that. It comes off as like disingenuine. And for, we haven't done many ad reads on the cast, but I would like to think that the ones that we have done have, have been like, hopefully more, you know, profitable or helpful for people because it comes across as genuine because it was always stuff that like me and Brian actually love, you know? Yeah. And we are able to like describe what we like about them versus reading off like a, a random script or whatever. But then I remembered that Andrew is a very clever fellow and uh, also like a very talented writer. And so I was like, you know what, man, I trust you. Like, I, I guarantee that if you are insisting on this, I know that it will be good. And so I will just agree to do this. And I will not give you any notes whatsoever. Like I am in, I believe in you, right? So you ready for this? Yeah. On the edge of my seat. Within within like two minutes, he sent me the Google Doc for the script. Just like had it, had it ready to go or just like knew immediately what he wanted it to be and just typed it out in two minutes. Sorry, here we go. Hi, I'm Jerry T., you may know me from the Game Podcast, the Head Games Podcast, the Arena Decklist Podcast, the Jerry T Podcast, or the Watsy Blacklist. I'm here to talk to you about my favorite local game store, Lodestone Coffee and Games. I don't want to read this. Screw you, Andrew. Lodestone is a card store in Minnetonka, Minnesota, run by my friends. They mailed me a case of Red Bull to do an ad for them. And then in brackets, Jerry improvises a long monologue about how much he loves a store he has never been to. Something about how they're WPN premium, always have strong attendance for constructed limited and casual magic events. Tuesday Night Modern has a minimum prize pool of $300 store credit and pays 100% of entry back into prizes. Nice wooden tables, good milkshakes, or something. End break. Uh, there are over 300,000 cards listed for sale at lodestonegames.com. Is that as many as the giant coastal conglomerates? No, but they're running out of storage space and my friend needs to pay for his kids' kung fu lessons. In-store pickup orders received before noon are available same day after 3 p.m. Free shipping on orders over $20. Lodestonegames.com. Use promo code JerryT for 10% off at checkout. And that's it. That's the thing he sent me. But after the first line, I, I kind of just, you know, died laughing and I was just like, yeah, this is exactly why I agreed to it. I love it. Yeah, he's wonderful. Uh, and and he's also a liar because I've been to their store before. So you can validate all of these uh, statements about how great it is. No, it, it is actually just the nicest store. Uh, I don't, I don't want to say that I've ever been to because I've been to a bunch of nice ones, but like this is definitely top tier. It is up there uh, to the point where like I bugged Ryan Overturf to get a Lodestone shirt just because I wanted to rep it. Because, like, the, the place is just nice. It's good. My only complaint is that it's, like, kind of in the middle of nowhere, sort of. It's, like, you got to... It's one of the things where you have to, like, get off the highway and, like, go down a road and, like, turn into this, like, very 
inconvenient sort of like parking lot area. But like that area itself is like kind of secluded and nice. Like you're not just like surrounded by a bunch of stuff, but it's just like just kind of tucked away back somewhere, you know? Yeah, that's that's it. But like, yeah, the place itself, super nice. People are nice. Uh, Yeah, I mean. Nice tables, milkshakes, like all that stuff is legit. It is it is true. It is good. The store is very nice, very upscale. Uh, I cannot speak to the amount of like singles and stuff that they have. Um, but now I feel bad because I regularly, like when I'm buying stuff, I don't immediately like go to them for some reason. But I, I should have been. We'll put it on the list. But anyway, I'm full up on Red Bull and y'all should go to Lodestone. Promo code Jerry T for ten percent off. Honestly, I'm I, the most I'm disappointed in this ad read is that the promo code is Jerry T and not something like Tombstone Pizza. You know, yeah, not the most clever promo code, but at least no. people won't forget it. Maybe I don't know. I don't know if that's more or less forgettable than if it was like Tombstone and then it's just like that's a weird thing. I need to remember remember that versus like oh was it Jerry? Was it Jerry T? Was it Jerry T with a three? Like no Jerry T ten. Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. Whatever. But uh, again, Andrew is is wonderful. Store is great. Uh, Shop there. Go there. Uh, Minnesota also just like it was it was good when I was coming up in like the the early 2000s. Like our scene was very solid, but just over the the next couple of decades, just like really blossomed and bloomed, too. And now there's there's like a lot of stores, a lot of different play groups, like a lot of like really, really like good people too. Just like good magic players, good folks. And I ended up moving back for a couple years and it was it was like really nice, man. It was so cool to see like the place where I've where I was from kind of like blossom and flourish into this thing. And yeah, I like a lot of the people there. So mm. touche. Anyway. Uh, that's it. I guess we can talk about BNR stuff now. Exciting. Guess I should pull that up. I had the ad read ready to go, but uh, yeah. no legacy changes, no vintage changes, which we knew about because uh, Eternal Weekend is this weekend, so that would have been kind of awkward. However, they do not care too much about the Atlanta RC, which is kind of weird. And thinking about it more, I was like, why, why couldn't they just like wait two weeks? I mean, I guess having appraiser legal would would suck also. So maybe this is good. But then I don't know. Why not just do that last week? It's just 10 days is not a lot, you know? I don't know. I think it's plenty. I think people are fine. I, I think that it, you're going to get a week's and a half's worth of moto results. I, I wouldn't be worried about it at all. Uh, so it, it is fine, but it could be much better. And I don't mean that in the way that you and I normally say, like, you know, we could always do things better. Like that, just that generality of things. Like this one, literally, could have been done better, and I don't think it would have been that hard to. Yeah, I mean, what you think it could have been sooner or pushed out two weeks? Like, I don't, I don't know that one RC is enough to delay an announcement by two weeks. If you wanted to try to pull it in, maybe. Well, the the thing about that is the modern season is winding down or is finished. I don't even. I mean, I guess there are, there are Eternal Weekend one, so that's not entirely true. Yeah, there's uh, definitely RCQs this weekend. Yeah, so that's kind of weird, right? It's like you do modern stuff, granted, not in the, like the middle of a season, but like while the season is still going on. So I'm sure that's frustrating to a lot of people. It's like, oh, I, you know, built scam at the beginning and haven't queued yet. And now you like ban my card. Like that sucks. Yeah. So, I yeah, I, I, I think for, for Pioneer, 
And it's it's kind of messy to do it this way. But I think for Pioneer, they should have announced it last week, giving people a little bit more time because because of the RC and because there are no other real Pioneer tournaments going on right now, right? And for Modern, they probably should have just waited until after the season. Yeah, I don't know that you can split it up as far as like confusion goes, but... I, I said it's messy, you know? Yeah, it is. I think it's messy either way. I think, listen... They, but it, it sounded a lot like they knew what these changes were going to be a week ago. If not exactly, then at the very least, roughly. I, I definitely agree with that, which is why I don't know why they did the video on like last Tuesday. And now the, the announcement happens on Monday. It's like, why can't you just tell the pioneer folks at least what is happening? Yeah, like, it's directly. like somewhere there's this like rule in stone that's like BNR announcements happen on Mondays. Right. And I don't know why you can't give that a little bit of leeway. I mean, especially when you're doing stuff like scheduling and RCQ season and it's like, oh, we know the BNR announcement is going to be like three weeks before the season ends or whatever. Like, that's kind of weird, right? Like, just schedule the season to end like the week before the announcements happen, just in case. Just play around it. Yeah. I don't know. I think, listen, I don't disagree with any of the statements you're making, but I think this stuff has been far less structured than the world we're imagining. And I think they're doing the best they can as things kind of evolve. Right? Yeah, I, I'm not saying like, oh, my expectations for you were so high and you flubbed them. I'm just saying like, this is how it should be going forward. Or like, yeah. this is what you should be working towards going forward in the future. I think there's pros and cons to all of it, right? And like, you know, some of the changes that you suggested might have been in, in the best interest of some of the people that are qualified for the RC, but maybe the people in different regions adds a level of confusion. But it, it was interesting to me, they spent the first two paragraphs of the announcement talking about like the timing and the cadence for these announcements, which is interesting because it feels like every other time that's what they're doing. Yeah. Which shows they're still adjusting. And listen, I want to celebrate that and embrace it and not Absolutely. critique it because like they should constantly be adjusting when and how they do these. 100%. And we said this last week, I want to say it again, is that the stream that they did and the video that is also like linked in this article uh, was was just incredible. It was awesome. Huge uh, step in the right direction. They need exactly. to do more of it. They need to try more different things. Very, very positive. And I think people can make the argument that like, oh, well, they basically told you what they were going to ban. And while that is true, the copter unbanned. So for Pioneer, Car and the Great Creators banned, Geological Appraisers banned. No surprise. They basically said as much in the video. But Smuggler's Copter unbanned is the big shakeup thing where I, I think if you were just going to ban stuff, it might be fine to only have 10 days. But the unban is so weird because like now, now we just have to like build new decks. Or, or try and like ignore this, which I, I that's kind of where I disagree with you, where it's like, oh, it's like a week and a half. Like, that's enough time. It's like, not really. Yeah, I mean, it's it's not enough. Don't get me wrong. But at <laughs> least I, I don't know. For, and I'm in a unique position, right? One, I'm not qualified, but I will say and I'm not going. This makes me wish I was going a whole lot more. Not the yes. opposite. Right. I, um, so and I personally I, find I, this stuff exciting. That's not going to be everybody, though. No. And that's fair. And. To be honest, I am certainly happier now that I get to play with Smuggler's Copter at the very least, brew on a bunch of decks and like, you know, get like the good brain chemicals from doing this stuff. Uh, because Copter is like a, a very like fun and exciting card, at least for me specifically. But yeah. th the problem with this one is kind of the fact that it is colorless and therefore has a bunch of potential homes. You know, if it was just like, oh, this is like the like 
mono green devotion card, like say we unbanned like Leyline of Abundance or something. It was like, okay, well, we can work on a deck with that. But Copter is, and I'm not kidding, like it's it's like 30 decks deep minimum that you can realistically consider playing this card in. Yeah, it goes in pretty much anything. Yeah, so 10 days is not a lot of time. It's exciting though. It is exciting, and I'm I'm happy about it. I certainly did not want to do Geo stuff. Uh, I was messing around on Explorer last night and played like four like pretty good matches, and then I played my next four like three of them were against appraiser people, and I was like, why why are you doing this? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but like the first one I played against, I was like, oh yeah, I forgot that this is still technically legal. Yeah, and like listen, I I I kind of think and wish they went even a little bit further than just appraiser and hit the planeswalker as well, just to like knock all that nonsense out. Yeah, I mean we'll see. Like it it might end up being fine, but it is definitely not fun. Yeah, like I don't know. It's hard for me to imagine a world where like Quintorus, that's what it's called, Quintorus, Quintorius, Quintorius, Quintorius um, Cond. I just call it the planeswalker. Um where it's legal and played and not a problem is just like not a world I can imagine. Yeah. Um, I, I, and I think that's fair. But uh, we'll see. And it is a turn slower, which is a big deal. Yeah. But and, and also like limits your deck a little bit more, right? Um. Yeah, because it's discover four and not three. Yeah. Yeah. Um. But I don't, I, th- I, don't, I, think, I don't think the Geodex played like any other fours anyway, because they still had like the Carnosaur in the in the package. So I guess like they're both kind of limited by the same stuff. Yeah. And then the Quintorius decks killing you a turn quicker or whatever. Yeah. But maybe that's not even true a lot of the time. Um, regardless, I think the two bands, pretty predictable, exactly what we were expecting. I think the interesting news is only those two and not anything else as well as Copter. Um, and Cop- Copter's the big one for me because they didn't even hint at that. I mean, like, no. they, they briefly touched on, like, unbans or whatever. Uh, also, I remember, I don't know if it was last week's show or, like, some sometime before where uh, I think I was talking about uh, Emrakul the Promised End at some point where I was like, oh, this sounds like a, a good card to play in this deck. And I was like, wait, is that banned? And then I had to check the ban list. And then we talked about that a little bit. Yep. And at some point I was like, oh, like Copter could probably come off. And it wasn't a lot of people, but I definitely got heat from a few people where they're just like, absolutely not. No way. And it's just like, I mean, yeah, I think it could. And in general, I think that Wizards is like far more conservative than I am in terms of unbanning stuff, uh, which is easy to do because I am not hit with any of the consequences, really, if, like, a card is unbanned and it ends up being horrible, right? Like, it doesn't affect me at all. Uh, so, yeah, the fact that they thought it was okay should should say a lot, too. Yeah, and again, I don't know how much resources they actually have to be able to test a change like this. My instinct is it's probably a lot more hypothetical than it is actually playing a ton of games. But... Yeah. um. I mean, I think Copter's absolutely going to matter and get played quite a bit. And I, I, if where I would be at with Pioneer in general is trying to drive more interaction and have it not be this I goldfish my deck, you goldfish your deck, we see who kills each other quicker. And I think Copter can do that. Um, it might not be the most diverse from like a deck 
building perspective. Like it's just a Koa's card that's going to go in a lot of decks. So from that perspective, you know, that might be a knock against it. But, but I think it does power goal- up all those decks too. Yeah. And there's exactly. a lot of stuff. There's a lot of stuff I'm looking at where it's like, oh, like, you know, things that care about discarding, things that care about the graveyard, things that care about artifacts. Like these are things that we're not necessarily doing all that well that are now getting propped up a little bit by that. And certainly like Karn getting banned helps artifact decks too a little bit. Uh, yep. So I, I think that that aspect is cool. Like, yes, it is going to show up a lot. It is going to be very close to ubiquitous, I think. But I think it's going to overall add more diversity to the format. I think so too. And I think it's going to add more diversity to the gameplay, not just the decks. Because I think ga- like diversity in the format in general from like the variety of decks that were played, just like on paper, I think it's like already pretty acceptable. Yes. If the problematic area is like the gameplay itself is not very interactive or fun. And I think Copter's going to add a lot to that. All right. Off topic, I got two things. One, I was just joined by a Nora. Hello, Nora. Hello. She has is, she is finished dinner. She is ready to nap. She has chosen me. I am very grateful. Uh, second thing is I just got a DM on Discord from Snook for the first time ever. Uh, he said, I have an RCQ this weekend. Dave might have convinced me to play creativity with the bands. Uh, <laughs> Dave answers his messages once a quarter and I don't have much time. Like, <laughs> that part of it, yeah, but that's that's awesome. <laughs> he said that part. Uh, and yeah, I can relate to that because I'll send, I'll send Dave a whole lot of messages. He won't even like respond with an emoji or whatever. I just never know if you if you see them, if you think about them, if you perceive them at all. I'd certainly appreciate them. Okay, no, that's that's good. That's yeah, see that's kind of all it takes where if like if you respond with like a thumbs up or whatever, that's kind of like validation where it's like, "Oh, you do give a shit enough to like double click on a thing and that will make me keep sending them." But not, I'm, no, just- I'm going to challenge you on that because you sent me your flight info a few weeks ago and I gave you a thumbs up and you you crit- criticized even that. So, yes, I think this is a specific case, though, where this was me coming to visit you. Well, so, okay, I guess in terms of you, this is this is like the communication aspect of things, right? Where a thumbs up from you probably means a lot more than it does from the average person. And maybe I did not immediately pick up on that. That's fair. But I was hoping for like a like, hell, yeah, this is going to be fun. I'm excited. Maybe that was supposed to be conveyed in the thumbs up. I don't know. But to me, I was like, hey, I am coming to visit you. I did book these flights. Granted, they're for the wrong dates, but we we, we we'll fix that eventually. Uh, and I just, I got what I perceived to be a lukewarm response. And I was a little sad. That's all. Yeah, it's okay. I viewed you coming and visiting already as a done deal. That one was already accomplished in my mind. And these were just like the details of said trip. Okay. So I was there in my mind, but if I hadn't committed yet, that's dangerous because it, it just gives me a lot of runway to potentially back out. Yeah. And I, I certainly would have come visit you at some point, but like that was a pretty good time to do so. And overall it went pretty well for me, you know? Yeah. So I'm, I'm certainly glad that I did it. Uh, just, just like, you know, hang out, see you, see the boys. Um, See, I, I was definitely not thinking like, oh, it's a done deal. I'm definitely going to do this. I was like, I need to do this. But my unmedicated, uh, lazy ass is not capable of doing anything. Uh, so when I yeah. when I finally did it, I thought, it, to me, it meant something. Fair. I was even proud though, of you. Even though, again, it was for the wrong dates. But, you know. So right before we started this podcast, Snook te- was texting me, obviously. And 
And and you were just leaving him on red. I might I might have suggested that he plays creativity, and I, we can talk about why when we get to the modern portion in a minute here. But um, he asked me for to text him a deck list, <laughs> and I just said no, because <laughs> like harsh. Uh, I'm, well, I'm not going to go look up a deck list on my phone and send it to you in text. Like you can get it just as easily as I can. I don't have it readily available. I mean, yeah, but he's looking for you to use your informed eye to like go through lists and like find him something that looks good or perhaps like he is expecting that maybe you have thought about this and know what your deck list would look like. Uh, or no, that was not his. No, no, that was. And like, listen, we talk a lot, right? That was not his question he was just or whatever. Like, hey, can you go go on Goldfish and send me a random deck list? Yeah, it's like you and ever send like, some somebody a deck list and they want it in a different format or whatever? <laughs> yeah. So the, I my initial reaction to a lot of this stuff is like when someone just asked me a question, it's just like Google it. Exactly. Jerry T RCQ yeah. for over two decades. Yeah. This is OG Kibler Google, right? Yes. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, Kibler Google uh it does get overused, I think, a little bit. Uh, but that was because I mean it was in relation to wizard stuff a lot of the time where it's like I literally can't find it on their website. Yeah. Like, someone please help me. I'm pretty sure one of my, like, 80,000 followers knows the answer. And sure enough, like, hashtag Kibler Google does work, right? But no, but he are... tried. He tried first, at least. And I think that that's fine. It's like, hey, I tried looking for this, and I couldn't find it. Uh, but, yeah, the snook, like, hey, I've, I've never been to, like, goldfish before. It's like, no, dude, shut up. Yeah. Yeah, you have. Yep. Just put in a tiny bit of effort. You just got to scroll down because creativity is, like, 2% of the metagame. That's all. Yeah. You just got to click that expand button. But you can do it, buddy. I believe in you. Anyway, uh, I think uh, it is entirely possible that Copter ends up being, like, too ubiquitous and does make the games feel kind of samey, does make a lot of the decks feel uh, fairly consistent because that is what it does. Like, this is, this is like the brainstorm of Pioneer, except basically any deck with, like, 12 creatures can play it, you know? Yeah, I would that that's I think pretty in line with what I'm expecting as well. Um do we think biggest winners from Copter? I mean, I assume Rakdos Sack was like my first jump knee jerk reaction. What are the other places that you see it finding a quick home? Uh Racksack for me was one of the first places my brain went and was also the one where after I thought about it was like, yes, this is a slam dunk conclusion. The red-green aggro deck was the other one where I was like, I'm pretty sure this is slam dunk. And then after thinking about it, I I was like confidence level was a little bit higher, but it would not surprise me if like that deck just ends up not being very good also. Um, because here's the thing, like Copter being in the format is going to change the format more than just, oh, well, now there's like this two-mana artifact running around. Because... Yeah. Everything gets faster. Yes. Copter incentivizes you to lower your curve. Like, it is crew one, and it is a two-mana card, and you're going to be looting away excess lands. All of this kind of points to you playing a leaner deck on on, on average. As well and, as your opponent's going to be playing a leaner deck, which means you need to lower as well to keep up with them. Right. So, the the maybe, like, unintended consequence of this card existing is sort of that like five drops are sort of soft band at this point. That's how I feel. 
yeah, you can't exactly play a deck with four Sky Sovereigns in it anymore. Yeah, so Grease Fang, it, you know, is a thing that had had weekends where it did really, really well, right? And is maybe the deck with some of the most polarizing matchups in Pioneer also. And Copter is a thing that looks appealing for that deck, but I think it is also a deck that will just get annihilated by actual fast decks with Copter in them. Fair. So Copter might be a good card for Grease Fang, but a Copter metagame might not be one where that is good for Grease Fang. Right. And it's not because of Copter in general. It's just because, like, well, now everyone is incentivized to, like, try to, you know, goldfish you by turn four, effectively. And, like, Grease Fang is, is kind of slow and, like, deals itself some damage, you know, and doesn't have a lot of good comeback mechanisms. It, like, you are really, really priced into having the having to have the combo on turn three now more than you ever were. You yeah, know, like if the format's like a little bit slower, a, a little bit clunkier, then Grease Fang really gets time to shine. But like you still have those kind of like, uh, oops, I win draws that add to your overall equity and, and whatnot. But now I think a lot of your equity is tied up in that and the deck is not that consistent to be able to do that enough. So uh, it's it's kind of unfortunate, but like Red Green is sort of, it feels similar to me where... I think it lined up pretty well against various things in the previous format, but when the format gets a little bit leaner, red green is not very good at at playing on defense. And I think it is like the slightly slower copter deck. And you look at a lot of the interaction that they're playing now, obviously this cannon will change, but it's like obliterating bolt, a crow in war, stuff like that, like sorcery speed stuff that like doesn't even hit copter and is generally better at like trading up versus bigger things when I think curves are just going to be much lower, it's like, oh, yeah, this deck's in trouble, actually. Yeah, it also, like, picked up a bunch of equity by beating up on green, right? And... Yeah, true, true. But I I, I would imagine that, like, green's portion of the metagame could get absorbed by similar decks that mono green was, like, previously sitting on top of. So it's entirely possible that, like, whatever percentage or um, amount of equity that you would ascribe like the red green uh aggro matchup versus green would just get replaced by like another mopey mid-range deck or something but i i i don't think that's gonna be the case you know i think the format is gonna look very fast maybe not in atlanta immediately but certainly like a month from now when there are more results and like people are used to the format and have put in a bunch of work and hours and stuff and get to a point where like things are like pretty lean pretty refined I think we're going to be looking at a much faster format. Is Green Devotion dead? I think it's kind of similar to the red-green thing, where it's like, the deck is not dead, but with Copter, I think it might be. That might be a bigger hit to Green than Karn, losing Karn. Uh, Maybe. That's entirely possible. Like, Green certainly didn't want to play against a lot of the random aggro decks, like humans and stuff like that. And Copter certainly incentivizes a lot more of those things to be running around. Yeah, I enjoy it because you and I had a conversation even on the podcast a few months back where... Where I was like, can I cut Karn? Yeah, you were hypothesizing that the best Green Devotion list might not have Karn in it. And here we are. And I like the logic and the reasoning and the rationale for banning Karn, and it has less to do with, like, Green being oppressive and more to do with, like, the style of gameplay that it promotes. Yeah. And I think all that's good. Um, 
my experience playing green is like after each game, I have to sit there for two and a half minutes shuffling my deck while I'm my opponent's sideboards and I'm just bored. Yeah. <laughs> just shuffling. On Moto, it's got to be easy though. You just click submit, like go to the bathroom, get a drink, whatever. Yeah, I alt tab. I come back and there's like five minutes off my clock or whatever. I'm like, whoops, yeah. got distracted. Yeah. Yeah. AD- ADHD things. Problems. Yeah, it happens. Yeah, I think I, I would be surprised if, you know, Nykthos is still a card that we're seeing a ton of given the increased speed of play in the format, but that'd be like, you know, what's the best Nykthos deck and is it still green and it's still got to be one of the most powerful cards in the format. So um, that's one of the places that I spent a few minutes thinking. Yeah, I the, the only other place where I think you could see Nykthos is like the the blue decks that are just like a pile of unplayables. Yeah. Like now just have a bunch of stuff. Like you have Omen Hawker and the Enigma Jewel and it's like, I don't know exactly like how good those decks are, but it is a thing that like could potentially be busted if they get enough of the right pieces. And uh, again, like this is the sort of thing that Copter props up pretty well. So uh, it's possible that like Blue Devotion is a thing. I started the the deck that I was playing on Explorer uh, on Arena was a white artifact deck with Oswald Fiddlebender. Do you know this card? Absolutely not. Okay, so it's a Grizzly Bear Legend uh, in white that is a birthing pod for artifacts. Okay. And the new set has enough white artifacts. Uh, Dusk Rose Reliquary, Fabrication Module is a two-mana mana rock for artifacts. Uh, it, it's a rare, so I don't know if, you ever, if you've gotten to play with it in Limited or whatever, but it also has... This ability to like sack things to uh, reanimate other artifacts, so it's like uh, an accelerator and kind of a payoff for doing this sort of thing. Uh, the Tinker Tote, common, like two dub artifact ETB make two one one gnomes. Oh, we're just doing nonsense things. Well, so th- this thought like popped into my head, and like I almost said it to like you or Cho, and like you know thought about tweeting it, and like. Then it was funny because like two days later, I was playing a deck with it where I was just like, basically in the context of the limited format, that card is effectively Fable of the Mirror Breaker, where it just like, it gives you so much cardboard that it's not super powerful, but it just does so much for you in terms of like, oh, I have a bunch of permanents to to like sacrifice. It has like the life gain rider. It has, the format has all these things that are like, you know, tap two permanents to do X, Y, Z. Uh, and it, it, doesn't look like much, but just kind of ties everything together. You know what I mean? Yeah, I appreciate the analogy, and I think it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, it's just it's a lot of cardboard, and then you figure out what to do with it. Yeah, and it's good, and it's hard to articulate or put into reasons why. There's just like a lot of different little things going on that when you add them all up. Yeah, so like Duskrow's Reliquary requires something to sacrifice to cast, but if you want to... Uh, birthing pod into it, you need to sack a token, so you need some amount of token generators. This thing gives you two tokens. There were just a lot of games I was playing where I'm just like dusk rosing them like once or twice a turn because like I have a thing to untap uh, old fiddlesticks. So hmm. uh, Thousand Moon Smithy, I think is the name of the card. It's like uh, rare, two dub dub, ETB, make a, a effectively a, a Karnstruct that, that is a gnome. And then uh, beginning of the first main phase, you can tap five creatures or artifacts to transform it. It becomes a, a land that taps for white, and whenever you play, a, I think, a permanent or, like, a creature or artifact with it, you make another construct. And 
Uh, you can you tap like any artifacts to it. So it means like if you're playing Dark Citadel, Treasure Vault, or whatever, you can tap those. So it's like pretty easy to actually just uh, transform that thing the turn after you play it. And again, just like makes a bunch of permanents, whatever. I was like, just messing around with that stuff, you know? It's like, yeah. this, this doesn't seem that bad. And then, yeah, the announcement today is like Copter's Unbanned. It's like, first thought, awesome. Copter goes right in this deck. Second thought, crap. This is really bad against all the other Copter decks. Yeah, fair. So I don't know where I'm going to end up with that, but. Third thought, Copter's not on Arena. Yeah, that was another thing that I didn't realize until much later where they didn't put it in Kaladesh Remastered because it was banned. And they're like, we ain't ever going to unban that shit. Why would we print it? Yeah. So I I do think that's a clue on how long they had been planning or expecting this, because I assume Copter's not like the most difficult card to code or whatever, right? Doesn't have a unique ability or anything like that. Yeah. No, it it would be easy to be there if if they wanted it or like it was even on their mind. They're like, hey, at some point we might unban this thing. Yeah. It would have been in the set probably, but now it'll just be in the next anthology probably. Yeah, well, it's it's probably one of the easier cards to do, to balance in one of their silly formats too, right? You could just like make it a 2-3 or something, and then all of a sudden it becomes a lot more reasonable. Yeah, sure. But Which, um, yeah, they did just announce like Vintage on Arena, which is just comical to me, but whatever. I don't want to talk about it. Yeah. Um, but Copter now deviates explorer even more from pioneer it does which they need to fix like some of the other differences okay so my again my my fiddle bender deck uh i i had a couple nykthoses in the deck which is why i was bringing that up like both the artifact stuff but also like oh this is like actually a, a white sort of nykthos deck but uh i was building it on moto got a list i kind of liked that included metalwork colossus sanctum of Ugin. are you aware of this kind of like you know, combo-y thing. Yeah, you just chain them. Yeah. Yeah, Sanctum of Ugin, not on Arena. Weird. Uh, also, Tomb of the Spirit Dragon, which I had in my deck as a fun of. This is like the cons colorless land that you can gain life for like each colorless creature you control. I was like, yeah, I'll play one of those. I got some gnomes running around, you know, some servo schematics, whatever. Uh, yeah, that's not there either. But I, I guess like Haunts is coming out, so maybe it'll be there, but I could easily see where if they're like remastering it, that might be one of the cards they just take out. Yeah, w- what was the announcement way back Q3 of next year is when we get Pioneer or Explorer remastered or whatever it's going to be? Yeah, I don't know. But like I'm with you on like getting to parity between these two formats needs to be like one of the top priorities for Arena. Oh, dude. Okay, this is this is my secret technology. I've been working on this for for months since Beanstalk came out, right? Beanstalk is popping off. In every oh, I thought format. you were going to imply six hours, but we'll, we'll accept a month. No, uh, this is this is like very deep notebook brew. Like, oh, maybe at some point, like I will legitimately break it. And so I'm not going to talk about it. Uh, Beanstalk and Pioneer. Shown up a little bit, right? Here and there. But for the most part, doesn't seem like there is just a plethora of ways to abuse this thing, right? Yeah, and not always what the games are about. But also, also true. Uh, another card that again probably gets a lot worse with Smuggler Copter being in the format. But uh, I was going real deep, looking for ways to trigger up the Beanstalk, and I found one. That is a card that kind of kind of had my eye on for a while, which is sort of silly and embarrassing because it's not a very good card, but it's also like pretty on brand for me to like those cards as someone who is just like going out of his mind trying to find Call of the Netherworlds before an RCQ a couple weeks ago, right? But, yeah. Not uh, finding them and then winning, but regardless, keep going. Yeah, so unlucky. Um, 
Card Foundry Assembler. You know this one? No. Is five mana, artifact, three, three, improvise. That's it. Hmm. I don't get it. It's it's a potentially free spell that triggers Beanstalk. So I bet I was building a bunch of like Beanstalk kind of like artifacty decks. Also, the fact that it costs five means that it's pretty easy to like emerge off this thing. And Elder Deep Fiend is honestly one of the better things to do in Pioneer with Beanstalk. So, dude, I was cooking. Yeah. This is deep, super deep end. This is these are places that I would never end up unless you pointed me there. Yeah. So I'm on arena. I'm cooking with my my fiddlesticks deck, right? And it's like, that's kind of cool. I could like pod this thing into a six drop. Foundry assembler, not on arena. <laughs> not even on their radar to add it to arena. Dude, Cal- Kaladesh Remastered, I looked. I looked at all the improvised cards. They just cut them. They cut my boy. <laughs> unbelievable. Yeah, not unbelievable. Unbelievable. <laughs> that's my homie. That's 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 like the, you know, there's like Frogmite, the baby, Mirror, For- Mirror Enforcer, Big Papa, Foundry assemble- Assemblers, like the, the middle child. You know, that's, yeah. that's my boy. That's my homie. And you, you just, you just caught him out. It's messed up. No respect. So that's one of the, yeah. Like, okay, sure. Treasure cruise isn't on arena. What about foundry assembler, man? Yeah. They don't even need to recode the ability. No, dude, it's all there. They're just like, oh, we got to cut a, a really crappy card from the format. And they chose that one. Yeah. doesn't even sure. affect a limited format. I mean, I played it in limited, but like whenever I draft those artifact sets, I go really hard on the synergies. And so I I was going through my stuff. I was like actually looking for them just in case. And I, I found some stamped ones. Like they're just in my PT decks. Impressive. It's not bad. Improvise, Convoke. Oh yeah, okay. So there's a, a Halo Forager, I think is the name. Three mana, three two, Convoke, artifact guy. Okay. Will convoke frogmite. I played around with those a little bit. Convoke yeah. way worse than improvise in this deck, at least. But yeah, way worse. Anyway, going going deep. Uh, yeah the the weirdness of Copter, where it's like, oh yeah, all these like cool, neat decks that Copter is good in, but it would only be good if like no one else could play with Copter. Only you could. Yeah, because you're just gonna get beat up by some red aggro deck with Smuggler's Copter. Yeah, and like the amount of cheap interaction and spells people are going to play is just going to go way up, right? Like, yeah, they they're forced to, they have to. Yep. So my old, you know, Boros heroic deck that I've been really enjoying, you know, probably isn't very good anymore because everyone's, you know, in the first four turns of the game, I used to be able to cast eight spells to my opponent's three. That's not going to happen anymore. Yeah, exactly. So uh, one of the first deck lists I got sent today was like, oh, what do you think about like this Rakdos mid-range deck with Copter in it? I was just like, cut all the four mana cards. Bone Crusher Giant might be unplayable now. Like what? Like you're you're almost there, right? You just got to go a little bit further, a little step further. Yeah, build decks that are going to play against Copter, not that are good with it. Yeah. I mean, it can be both, but like the primary thing to consider is this effect that this has on the format. Yep. So it's, it's really interesting, man. I think it's going to be fascinating because... I don't think like it's going to take time for people to like go through those steps, right? Of like trying all these cool copter decks and just like continually getting beat up by like Raxac with copter or whatever. Yeah. I, and like, listen, I think Raxac is like a pretty 
clear front runner for the best deck in the format just because it is both a very clear home, probably doesn't need to be tuned or tweaked in a bunch to make this fit. And it also like naturally does well against decks that have a bunch of small creatures. Yes. So it is very well set up to be the copter deck that beats the other copter decks, I think. Yes, without like going too deep, right? Or multiple yeah. levels of iterations, right? Yeah, so not- I think... You're not hard targeting anyone. You are just naturally good against those things. Yeah. And like we've talked a bunch about like, you know, the last few cards or slots in that deck to begin with weren't very good. No, so def- definitely agree. Um, you know, it what it what it's really missing is like a few more reliable sack outlets. This is not that, but it is a way to dig for. And at the very least, like you're you're holding on to like a pair of claim the firstborns or whatever, like filter those things away. Yeah, filter them away, or maybe my cat that I drew without an oven or a sack outlet at least gets to crew this thing, right? Like it makes your cards do stuff, and yeah. I think that that's um, yeah, I think it's a pretty really good fit. Other fun thing about this, uh, without going like too into the weeds, uh, is what what copter does to your decks where. I was looking at some sacrifice decks that had like four of the creature lands, like a couple of Hive of the Eye Tyrants, a couple of Den of the Bugbears. And uh, in addition to Copter, you also have Fable. You have like occasional blood token from Blood Tide Harvester and stuff. Like you got to have a lot of filtering now. It's like, are you ever going to get to five mana in like a reasonable time frame? Like how good are those creature lands now? Like I, I, I agree that you need something to do with your mana, but is it those cards? Or should it be something else? Yeah, and I, th- I mean, I think the stock of those lands clearly goes way down, right? Um, maybe not to zero, but like, you know, every mana sink in the format just took a pretty big hit. Or at sort, least it- sort of, unless unless it's cheap, I think, because at at that point, like, copper is going to make it, so you're usually able to like use a lot of your mana on the first few turns, but then at some point, you're like hellbent you draw your card for the turn you get in with copter you loot into a spell you play that maybe you have some mana left over you know you would like something additional to use your mana on so like uh, something like croxa which would maybe not even make the main deck of my sacrifice deck previously is suddenly now stepping up like i can't see playing four copter without playing a croxa in sacrifice especially because it is just a four mana thing and yeah. you know discarding for value is like kind of nice and everything too yeah, more food in the graveyard, more free ways to discard it. Worst case, you can cast it and crew with it at the same time. Like there's True. there's a bunch of um, small subtle gains. Now it doesn't naturally line up against the decks that we're describing that are you know also copter decks, but against no. the other decks that are targeting them, maybe. And I, I think it is mostly free, right? Because your plan A is like I'm going to loot this thing away, and now I have maybe like twelve ways to filter this thing between blood fable copter. And I can't imagine many situations where you're like casting this thing. Uh, Cause casting just like the front side of it is almost always a feels bad thing. So yeah, it's almost always just, a, I have nothing better to do or my opponent has exactly one card in their hand. Yeah. But, but when it always lives in my graveyard, I'm, I'm super happy with that card. Like I'm not, not going to play it every game, but it's nice to have the option. It's just like having a companion, you know, like put, put a Crocs in your deck. Like, yeah, it is, it is basically a companion at this point. Yeah. So Rakdos mid range still exists, yeah. still public enemy. Number one, 
where do you think that deck falls or lands in this when the dust settles? So not the same thing, but me messing around on Explorer and and now like thinking about it, I was like, God, I played like a shit ton of games of Explorer. I don't know what the hell is wrong with me. Yeah, this is just like I'm a little Monday. baffled by this, but okay, yeah. continue. So I played, I think, <laughs> ten games with three different black based decks, not because that I thought it was directly applicable to Pioneer, but just like I want to build my deck in this way and just kind of like goldfish it effectively, but against someone who was trying to kill me. And it doesn't really matter if this is like a real deck that I'm going to play against in in the Pioneer thing or whatever. How many gifted Aetherborns? Look, two of the versions were mono black, okay? <laughs> God dang it, Jerry, you have a One problem. Of them, I don't think I have a problem anymore. I think you'll be happy to hear this. <laughs> it's, dude, especially with Copter getting unbanned. I think I think gifted Aetherborn is going back into the cell box. But... <laughs> Uh, I played, I played, uh, update to mono black deck I was working on before. Very cognizant of like, I need to slim this deck down from where I had it. And I had already tried to like slim it down from the versions that were showing up on Moto, you know? But I was like, I need to get like a cut down in here, uh, like a, a duress main deck. Like, I just want more cheap cards because these decks generally lose just by, uh, kind of like getting tempoed out by like turn four in a lot of instances. There's there's never really a situation where it's like, oh, like my four castle locks the wing deck just like ran out of gas. Like, come on. So trim that deck down. Uh, just got beat up repeatedly. Now, granted, over over like these 10 games with these three different decks, I, I don't think I won many die rolls. I might've been like two and eight, but even then it was an embarrassing showing. So I played that mono black deck. I played a, a little bit of Waste Knot which was just a thing that I was like curious to try. And yeah, we've been hearing a lot of random people talking about that. Yeah, and it's it's cool. It it's a lot of the same stuff, a little bit more inconsistent, but with a power spike, which I like. Uh and that one I'm not necessarily completely off of. Like I think if I was going to play a mono black deck, it would be the waste not one because of the power spike. Um but also got beat up with that. It was hella fun. Uh, and then the last one was just like normal ass Rakdos, which is like the one deck that I built to like goldfish because I didn't expect anything to get on banned. Um, but here we are. So I played some games with Rakdos too. And dude, I got my ass kicked. I think I went one and nine in these 10 games. Swamps are going away. Got it. I, I was just, I was just like dead on turn four. I didn't even play against Appraiser. Uh, it was just like playing as like humans or like random in soul artifact decks or whatever. It was just like, Decks that were trying to kill me, and they did a damn good job of it. Yeah. And, like, I, my Waste Not deck had, like, main deck Path to Perils. Didn't matter. Yeah, I think Bone Crusher Giants, like, one of the pieces or the glue for the Rakdos deck, the Rakdos Midrange deck for a while, and that card seems pretty sketchy at this point, but we'll see. Yeah, I, I don't think it is very good now. It's certainly not an automatic four of. Um... Oh, the other thing was I wanted to try the the Schism guy. You know the guy? No. Uh, 2B, 2-4 Death Touch in the new set. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That guy's solid, actually. Not bad. I think if you're if you're looking for a graveyard trespasser replacement kind of thing that you want to be solid against aggro and, like, really good in, like, mirrors and against blue-white and stuff, card's not bad. But... I uh, hope we're looking for graveyard trespasser replacements at this point. Uh, dude, I hope so too. But like, again, with Copter, it's like, I don't even want the, the Death Touch guy because it's like, that's not what we're fighting about. 
And I kind of need to keep a mana open to at least like threaten to kill your copter, you know? Yeah. Uh, so push, torch, uh, both, both very, very good. Uh, Phoenix has an entire slew of removal that is good against copter, whether you're blue, black, or blue, red. Both versions are good. Yeah, this uh, is a win for Phoenix, right, in general? Massive dub. Yeah, because Phoenix uh, is biggest Phoenix problems. Is back on top. Yeah, Phoenix's biggest problems were Rakdos. So if the change in the format getting faster is a knock against Rakdos midrange, that has to be hugely good news for Phoenix. Also, one of Phoenix's problems was like, oh, my my 12 like lightning bolts are not good in this matchup. Let's hope yeah. we can piece something together. And it's like, well, now they're just good in every matchup. Yeah. This probably gives the blue red Phoenix decks an edge over the blue black ones. That, that trend we've been seeing. And Absolutely. We'll, and hopefully, for the love of God, people will start putting Thing in the Ice back in their deck. Ah, uh, yeah. Well, you see, you could get Ledger Shredder big enough to block a copter, maybe, possibly. God. Yeah. Uh, just spend 30 mana in eight turns. It'll get there, I promise. We'll Dude, see. Can you imagine missing a Shredder trigger in this world now? Disastrous. Yeah, absolutely disastrous. Yeah. And... Yeah, never miss a thing in the ice trigger. That one's a lot easier. Never. Dude, that big white die is just sitting right in front of you the whole time. It's also only my spells. True. Yeah. And it's like, play spell trigger thing, not like, oh, is this like the second spell that was, you know, just get out of here. Yeah, nonsense. Um, Cool. So Phoenix, probably top dog, we're guessing, instinctively. I can't imagine a world where blue-red Phoenix specifically is not the biggest deck in Atlanta. Yeah. Which, you know, bring your graveyard hate. Yeah. Which is the the black decks, you know? It's like, that was the problem with Rakdos, really. It's like, well, they got a bunch of go-blanks. Like, the occasional graveyard trespasser is kind of annoying. And, like, depending on how much they load up in the sideboard with, like, Hearst on top of go-blanks. Like, we saw Leyline of the Void at some point. Like, that was certainly on my list of considerations, too. It's like, respect the burb because uh, it's it's going to be there. Like, not only it does it just, like, look like it's going to be really well-positioned, but there's not a lot of time. And I think if someone is looking for a comfort pick, Phoenix is the pretty obvious one to go to unless you're uh, a blue-white lifer or something. Yeah, but I mean, it's just powerful and proactive, and it, like, that, lines that up too. well naturally against the Tier 0, Tier 1. I mean... Phoenix has always had a little bit of a problem with, like, the humans' decks that go way under it, right? So as long as you, like, build your sideboard to, like, respect those things, which I think will be pretty natural and obvious. Yeah, uh, just make sure you're playing, like, two to three sweepers. Um, one thing one thing that I saw was, like, Cinderclasm creeping up in some decks in response to Boros getting a little bit of a boost. And I don't actually mind that. I think that one might be pretty good. Um, and I, I'm curious to see where folks end up in, in terms of like what they think the best copter shell is and like how Cinderclasm is going to line up against them. But like Brotherhood's End was usually the go-to, which I think is fine. Obviously it doesn't tag copter, but humans may or may not play copter. So we'll see. But if there are like artifact decks, then Brotherhood's End is a pretty good catch-all to have too. So like Normally, you'd see like one to two sweepers in Phoenix's sideboard. I think it's like three at this point is where you want to be. Yeah. Looking back at when Copter was in standard, when people started doing like mid-rangey go-over-the-top things, like Spellqueller decks with Copter in them became a really common way to fight them. Do you think that's a thing we start to see? It's possible. It definitely has 
a lot of the same problems where it's like maybe this is a copter deck that loses to the the faster copter decks. Like that was certainly the problem with like blue white flash type of stuff where if if people just got under you, there wasn't a whole lot you could do. Yeah, you and, just like lost to the vehicles decks, right? Yeah. Uh, and I think one of the best catch-up mechanisms now is temporary lockdown because it hits all the small stuff. It, it hits all the copters, which a lot of the sweepers don't do. And that's maybe not a card that something like Flash could play, but maybe there's something similar in those veins that they could get away with. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Lot to play out. I, I really like this unbanned, man. This like the more we think about it, the more we talk about it. Like, I think this was a very elegant way to have a pretty positive impact on a format that I think was pretty stalled. Yeah. Uh, I, I've i been dogging on Pioneer for a long time, and I'm actually pretty excited to play in this world. Yeah. I just, my, my only gripe is that I wish the announcement was last week. That's all. Even on like a Wednesday, you know? No, announcements are only on Mondays. We've been over this. Um. <sighs> It doesn't make any sense. And it's like, oh, yeah, we shot the video on Tuesday, so we couldn't formally announce anything. It's like, God. How many LCQs can we count on you for? I don't know. It depends how much fun I'm having. And a lot of my fun, my expected fun, if you will, EF, uh, wonderful uh, term coined by, I think, Gabe Carlton Barnes. But my EF is usually directly tied to the decks that I'm playing and whether or not they like scratch that itch are fun to play, whatever. And if that is the case, if I find something I like, then I will be engaged. But the flip side of it is like, if I play in a thing and I'm like, I hate this, I now know of like 10 other things that I would be happy to try in the next LCQ. So we're, we're packing a carry on for Atlanta is what you're saying. Yeah. So I think, I think that is going to carry me through a lot of things. Like I'm going to be there bright eyed, bushy tailed for the first one and we'll see how it goes. Yeah. Well, hopefully it's the only one, but hopefully that's for positive reasons. Yeah. I don't know. Cause like if say I play in five of them or whatever, right. Then at least I probably learned a lot and get to impart a bunch of information to folks that are playing in the actual RC itself the next day. Yeah. So that's, that's a dub for me too. I'm kind of concerned, though, I guess, because we had, we had like, we had, we had the Rectos house. Now what? Now we have a chance. Fair. I don't think we wanted to be the Rectos house, so no. I'm excited about this. Listen, as I was goldfishing this Rectos deck and certainly playing it on Explorer, using my mana every turn, every turn, like turn one, you know, Thoughtseize, whatever, and still just getting run over somehow. I was just like, how the hell do people win with this shit? Yeah, you were I, playing I, best of ones, it sounds like, because you need the hand smoother. You well, want the broken games with the Rakdos decks. No, it doesn't Doesn't best of one have the hand smoother? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm saying you don't want that. Oh, oh uh, yeah, that's fair. I, I will say that best of one is certainly very bad, too, because Rakdos is definitely a deck that's like, oh, well, I kind of need my graveyard hate or my sweepers or whatever. Yeah, strong um, sideboard targeted cards yeah answers are always going to be weaker in best of one but I, yeah. I also think it does better when there's just like more broken games like mulligans and you know things not going quite according to plan but if i'm going one in nine in game ones that's not a deck i want to play anyway that's fair or it's that's like, why i think this is good for our, our rakdos house no i mean you're probably right 
But the Rakdos house, for whatever it's worth, has a pretty historically good record with Rakdos, so I can't knock it too much. Yes and no. Like, Chase did qualify and was, like, the highest finishing Rakdos person in whatever RC, but, like, that's that's not good. Like, you're the outlier, dude. You yeah. are literally the luckiest Rakdos player in the room. Yeah, that's true. Out of, like, 20% of the field, dude. That's not who I want to be. Yeah. And I don't want to claim that like that's that's a victory, you know? Yeah, the, it, the it highest isn't. finishing person that made a bad choice. That's not where you want to be. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I am the luckiest not smart person. Yeah. <laughs> or the smartest of the not smarts. Yeah. Got yeah. it. I, either or. Um, yeah, it's not great. I mean, I think if everyone just agreed to lock in Blue Red Phoenix in the dark and like just put your head down, work on that for the next week or whatever. I think we'd be in a good spot, but the unbanned messes everything up so much to where it's like, it just creates bad incentives for us where we just want to like brew some bullshit, or at least I do. Yeah. Well, Costa's going and he would be the blue red Phoenix guy. I know he, he he's our hope. He's, but also like, yo, if there's another weakness Costa has had, or even strength, depending on your perspective over the last 10 years is dude played a lot of Mardu vehicles. Oh no. And, and he won a lot with it. I, I kept trying to play Mardu. He had like two PTs where he was like, you know, cat two PT caches with it. Like one of them, I think, was a top 16. He had very good finishes with that. So, um, Mar- yeah. Mardu, my inst- Mardu was always one of those decks. And this is no disrespect to other Mardu decks, such as Mardu Pyromancer, which are impeccable. Uh, <laughs> Unbeatable. Yeah. Except true. finals, but regardless. Listen. <laughs> 11 and 1. That's good. Yeah, it's good. I am, I am not the luckiest dummy at that point. Yeah, you know? but you just lost the wrong one. Uh, yes and no, because I was 3-3 in draft. So I actually needed all the Swiss wins. Got it. Got it. Heartbreaker. Also, like, the deck you lost to is not really magic. No, it's not. And, man, God, I, uh, I just want to talk about that tournament now. I'm going to, I'm, I'm off it. I'm off it. All right. Okay. I don't want to rub uh, it in. Mark- Sorry, soft spot. Mardu Vehicles, I dude, I have many feelings on that. Um, Mardu Vehicles is the type of deck that I would play in a Grand Prix, limp into day two, and then like lose playing for mid-cash. That's how I feel about Mardu Vehicles. Okay. Like if you're if you're gonna be playing Copter, please, for the love of God, do something good with it. Don't use it as a, a shitty looter that gets your opponent down to 10 before you die. Like Try to kill people. Try to actually like utilize the interactions uh, if you can. If it's like actually good, uh, don't don't be playing like Thraben Inspector or whatever. You know, just don't do it. <laughs> and this is this is I'm saying this to myself because a lot of the lists that I made today like also included Thraben Inspector, and I'm I'm like writing it down while also feeling bad about myself for doing so. Fair enough. I looked up Costa's Mardu vehicles list and he's six and four at the Pro Tour. So maybe he yes. has a good draft record. <laughs> is this is this the Spire Bluff Canals in the sideboard one? Oh my gosh. Let me hold on. No, thank God it's not. Were they the team that had them in the sideboard or they played them main? No, they are the team that had them in the main deck. Okay. So they got that far. Yeah. And this was Pro Tour Aether Revolt. Yeah, where I played copycat. I played Felidar Sahili. It was cracked. So did I. I didn't win a match. What did you play like the Jeskai control one? Yeah. No, I played a green one. 
Oh, yeah, you're smarter than iOS. It was it was seriously one of the the best decks I've ever played in Pro Tour. I went seven and three, which you know is is fine, not great, but like, uh, yeah. yeah. I got a I got a draw in the limited rounds, and then I just played against like blue red control decks, just like built to beat me. Yeah, non-stop. not great. No, I, I beat up on a bunch of Golgari nonsense. Yeah, I got what I deserved. Don't get draws. Yeah, true. Uh, modern. No, so uh, one one of the so like Mardu decided that they needed to splash blue for metallic rebuke, which was probably true. Uh, but then it's just like, I don't know, man. Maybe you should not be playing all these colors, or like maybe if your deck needs to splash a fourth color for a counter spell, like you're probably doing some stuff wrong. Like maybe your deck is not the right choice. But regardless, uh, yeah, one of the teams, I guess, Matt's, uh figured out a way to get Spire Bluff Canal into the mana base, which honestly is not that hard. And then one of the teams was like sideboarding four Spire Bluff Canals alongside their Metallic Rebukes and like bringing them in instead of mountains or whatever. And it's just like, that can't be worth it. I mean, if you just get a a 40 card sideboard, maybe. Well, sure. But yeah, I'm with you on like, I don't know what the opportunity cost of said sideboard slots were, but I assume they were higher than whatever we did with them. I mean, if you're like, oh, I'm so bad against this one thing, I need to splash a fourth color to to be able to have a chance against it. Your your cyber slots are probably at a premium, right? Like you probably got some other issues in addition yeah, to that one. That's fair. That's a fair statement. Uh, I think our team's thing, and I'm not proud of this because this is a thing that I kind of recommended and suggested was uh, sideboarding two of the red implements to have more artifacts to improvise the rebukes on. Hmm. Which honestly, I do think was like kind of necessary, but again, is the thing that sort of points to like this should be an indicator that we should just like start from scratch and not do this. Yeah, we probably didn't build our deck as well as we could have. Well, it's well, I mean, we tried to do that. It's like you know, what artifacts when we play main that aren't embarrassing, and there just weren't a lot of them that were good, you know. So I do think that that was right, but it's just like if we have to go through this amount of hoops to do this one thing, we should not be playing this deck. Period. Yeah, it's probably not the right thing to be doing. Yeah. Meanwhile, I'm working on my like copycat. Uh, uh, I also had like two Etherworks marbles because I was just playing all the energy cards. So uh, I think that was like pretty pretty brilliant, honestly, and kind of tight. And uh, you yeah, this know, was pro- this was basically like four color energy, right? This ended up being one of the better decks after this tournament, right? Yeah. And I th- I think Felidar got banned after too. So it was like, oh, you took the combo out of my deck and I'm still the best deck in the format. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> but I was just like, look, I, I'm just, I'm working on stuff that I enjoy. My confidence level is like not super high, uh, but they're just like, uh, I guess I got a splash of three mana counter spell, a three mana mana leak. <laughs> it's like, got to jump through some hoops to get this thing to cost two. Yeah. What, what do we do? And I'm just like, oh, you could do this. And I'm mm-hmm. like, all right, hold. Sideboard four lands or whatever, yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, so the red implement actually, in my defense, I think, did stop the copycat combo. Because Sahili goes to one and you could ping opponent and redirect it to the Sahili. Back in the days where you had to redirect. Yeah, so there was that where I was like, oh, okay, actually this is also a sideboard card against this thing. So I guess it maybe was not that embarrassing. It's better than Spire Bluff Canal, but worse than registering Marty Vehicles. Yeah. It's still not a great card or place to be, but here no. we are. Toolcraft Exemplar, not your friend. It's just not. <laughs> uh, is that that rapid for Pioneer? 
I think so. I think there's a lot to unpack with Pioneer, but I think we're going to keep talking about that for the next few weeks. Yeah, so. I agree. So modern. Uh, well, let's go. Let's go the other stuff first. Standard legacy vintage, no changes. Explorer Karn is banned. Appraiser is banned. Nothing to do with copter because it's not there. So kind of funny. Uh, Popper Monastery Swift Spear is banned, and then I saw Todd Anderson posting about how like Dread Return is legal in Popper now. I was like, that can't be good. But uh, I don't know if that is like I looked at some Moto decklist briefly because I was curious, and I didn't see any Dread Returns. Maybe like that set is not on Moto or something. I don't know what the deal is, but like. I feel like that card can't survive long. I don't, I can't imagine. I, I haven't dabbled into Popper in many years. I played it a bunch back in the 2010s and I used to quite enjoy it, to be honest. Um, but the games just take too long these days. So, uh, uh well, maybe not when Swiss was legal. Yeah, maybe not. I but, haven't looked, to be honest. I've it's just been something I've avoided. The, the other formats have been keeping me busy enough. You know how there's like the blue black, like, uh, like sometimes they're Delver or whatever, but a lot of them are like Gurmag Angler type of things, like yeah. Counterspell, whatever. Just soupy stuff. The the burn stuff was so prevalent that all the Gurmag decks had a card in their deck, in their main deck, that was like 1B. I, I don't know if it's an instant or sorcery or whatever. I, I don't think I've ever seen this card before. Where it puts a plus one, plus one counter on your thing and a lifelink counter on it. Like that's how bad burn was. Hmm. They're just like, I have to just main deck this card. There's like complete shit everywhere else. I hope it's at least an instant, but build your own Bane Slayer. Yeah. So I, I don't know. Looking through, I it was kind of funny. Uh, now I'm off it. I will not think about Popper again for another six months. So uh, Modern, Fury is banned. Up the Beanstalk is banned. I think these are good. It's also like kind of funny to me because... I agree that Fury is oppressive and I've I've been on record saying that like I kind of think that Fury is the the best elemental, at least in terms of what it does to the format and how it like shapes the format. Like it is very, very powerful, very oppressive. And like granted, we also live in a world where like Ren and Six and Bowmaster still live. Like if it was just Ren and Six, maybe the one toughness things come out to play again. But like with Bowmaster too, it's just like I don't know how much this actually helps, but like Fury, Fury is cracked. I'm not shocked that it is the first elemental to be banned. Uh, Beanstalk is somewhat surprising, but maybe post-scam, Beanstalk looks really good. And this is just one of those BNRs where it's like, has, didn't really ban the card that everyone hated. So that's kind of weird. Yeah. I wonder how much they actually did. And I'd be curious to see, like, how much does is scam still a deck? Is grief scamming people still a thing? Are they going to ship to black white? Like, I don't know the answers to those things, but my instinct is this hits it hard enough that it's not going to be anywhere close to what it was. And I don't know. I think hitting Fury makes sense because it doesn't just hate out these one mana creatures. It just hates out creature decks, period. True. Yeah. I mean, it's not like, oh, I played a four toughness thing. It's like, okay, well, yeah. kill it for zero mana, maybe draw a card. Who knows? And, it's, like, and especially when you're Fury scamming people, like, yo, that's eight damage split up. Like, yo, that's just Plague Wind. Yes. So, uh, and, and also, it is the card that gives you the fast clock against combo, too. Yeah. So, uh, listen, I think that this makes sense. I think it's unfortunate that a few decks lose Fury out of their sideboards, like Merktide or whatever, where it was like not necessarily oppressive and just a tool. But, like, the cost of that is, like, pretty small. And, like, the collateral damage from Grief and, like, some of the decks that lose Grief, like, notably Living End, like, pr probably deserve to keep it. Do so. they, though? 
No, I mean, I, I don't think people that play Living End deserve much, but um, I, I think that Living End is a fine deck to be around when they don't have spirit guides, so they have to do their thing on turn three, and when all they can do is like cascade and cast Living End and cycle. Fair. But when you start adding other stuff to it, where it's like, oh, well, now I get to like unmask you and like force a will you, and it's just like this is getting like pretty good actually. Uh, so I mean, granted, the Fury Band does does actually hurt them because like that was a card that they've been utilizing recently, also. Uh, and I don't I don't think that like Living End is like oppressive or busted or whatever, but it's just like I don't know, man. If you want to knock it down a peg, I wouldn't be mad. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Um, yeah, I also think Fury was also like kind of weirdly good against Living End. Like, yes, you and I played these four color decks where like you yes. I beat up a few of them. Yeah, with I was it. like, uh, yeah, discard my hand and like put some elementals in the graveyard. Your turn. And yeah. Like, oh yeah, they lose. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. weird. Um, but. Uh, listen, I think it makes sense. Um, I would have loved to see it get hit a little bit more, and I get a little bit anxious that it'll still be a thing. Um, but I think this is a positive thing. And like the Beanstalk one just feels free, man. Like, I don't think it actually affects or changes much. I'm not even convinced the Beanstalk four-color decks are better or different than the One Ring versions or the other iterations of it. But it's like an uncommon that's not really worth a lot of money. Nobody financially is going to be upset about it. It's not going to hurt pack value. And people were clearly upset about it. I think it's just like a well-beloved card because it does something very unique. It's kind of fun to build around. So like I understand people got attached to it. Uh, The financial aspect of things is kind of funny because I I brought up uh, being stuck on the podcast a couple of times and my friend who dabbles in like specking and stuff a little bit asked me about it. He's like, should I buy this? And I was like, given that it's good in standard and modern and like people are starting to explore in legacy, I would say yes. Like that's kind of like all the hallmarks for like a $5 uncommon basically. And they're like a dollar or two at the time when they came out. And that's the type of thing that he would love doing is just like buying like, 500 of an uncommon and like flipping them for three X. Uh, and then he he just, he kind of like forgot, you know, just like life got in the way or whatever. And was like, Oh damn it. Now they're like $5. Um, but he's also like a little bit slow on the trigger sometimes because of life stuff to sell this stuff. Um, Well, it's better than being slow on the trigger to sell them. Or no, I'm that's that, that's what I meant. Sorry. He's, he's slow to sell them. So I think that he would have, he would have been left holding the bag on this one. Had he done it. So, uh, there actually there are some financial ramifications. Like it's minor for sure, uh, Yo, but it is it is kind of funny. Let me be frank. Like anybody who buys five hundred of a card, specking on its value, is not somebody that I care even like an ounce about in these <laughs> situations. That is fair, but I will say that this this is cope for sure because I I have also done this over the course of my life. Um, but I think, you know, in these instances where it's like the most recent set and you're specking on a thing, there, there are no victims here. None. Like, yo, you're gambling. No, you are. So it's like, yeah, if you get burned by that and like, okay, so also semi-related, this dude tells me some gambling stories on occasion. I'm just like, dude, please stop. <laughs> it's not surprising to hear that he's a gambler. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I didn't really link the two because like I I basically only bet on sure things 
And he just like, I guess, maybe convinces himself that they're sure things or what? I don't know. Well, Jerry, it's been red five spins in a row. It's definitely going to be black the next. I know. I know, man. Um, But like, you know, I have a box of like dead specs, right? Like uh, I've definitely gotten hit, but like those specs were purchased from the perhaps ill-gotten gains of my successful speculation. So whatever. But like, Yeah, and their disposable income, right? So for somebody who doesn't have a lot of disposable income that invests in some expensive cards so that they can play a game that they love and taking a financial hit, I sympathize with that greatly. Yes. If somebody is going to spec on 500 cards, they're going to win some, they're going to lose some. I think they should be allowed to do that. I'm not saying they are wrong. I'm just saying that like they are choosing to gamble and if they can't afford to lose that money, they shouldn't have done it in the first place. I do kind of agree with that. I will sort of push back on the fact that like if you are poor, if you are living in poverty, there are not a lot of ethical ways to get money or like ethical or like not risky ways to get money. So I I don't think your lack of sympathy is directed at folks who would be in that situation doing this, but like certainly like, Oh, like, you know, upper middle class man loses a thousand dollars and is left with a thousand uncommons or whatever. It's like, yeah, who cares? Screw yeah. that guy. Uh, but if like someone is actively like trying to work to get themselves out of poverty and like this is a hustle that they found that is perhaps more lucrative or not more lucrative, but like more ethical than like selling drugs, for example, which is like a pretty easy go to. It's just like, I I am going to feel bad for that person. Yeah, that's fair, right? And that's an extreme extenuating circumstance of this. It, and- it is, but it, it's just, you know, the thing, the just the asterisk that I wanted to, like, address in relation to that statement where it's like, oh, if, like, they couldn't afford to lose the money, they shouldn't have spent it. And it's like, well, because you can't afford to lose the money, sometimes you do have to spend it if you want to, like, actually escape your circumstances. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, we don't have to side tangent on it forever, but like this is why I hate scratch tickets and lottery systems so much. Yes. Because all of the all of the data like on the surface, not bad, not wrong, but all the data shows that like they are purchased predominantly by people that are in lower income status that yes. probably shouldn't be doing that. Um, we we were poor as hell and my mom would like buy lottery tickets, not like to fuel a gambling addiction or anything, but she was just like, Look for some light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah, this this is this is like five bucks. This is this is like the the avocado toast argument or whatever. We're just like, oh, just stop, stop going to Starbucks and buy a house or whatever. And it's like that five bucks isn't going to do shit, man. Yeah, you know? but, but she's like, no, if I if I win ten k, like that's life changing money. Yeah, you know, so. I can maybe like afford to take my kids to the doctor for a couple years. Yeah, but if you're buying five hundred lottery tickets, we have a different conversation. <laughs> yeah, but like if you are very knowledgeable in a field like, you know, MTG finance type of stuff. And you are doing the work to verify the fact that something like Beanstalk is a car that could potentially be like $5 or whatever. And you make a, a move on that. I mean, obviously there is always like the BNR stuff too, where it's like, is this likely to get banned? Cause like that's an inherent risk that should be factored into like, are you actually skilled at this? You know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it is, it's way different when it's just like, well, I'm buying 500 lottery tickets versus like, oh, I did a bunch of like market research and like, this is my area of expertise and I made a call, you know? Yeah. And in those situations, I would expect people that are doing that to like have wins and losses, right? So this is just a write-off and they're going to have other hits. Well, hopefully. But again, you know, it's like someone living in poverty likely has 
debt, you know, hospital bills, student loans, whatever. They're like, there's something that is is like holding you down. So it's not like, oh, suddenly like your your dubs are just like, oh, well, now you're rich or whatever. It's like, well, now you're just in a little bit less poverty, I guess. But yeah, you know. I would hope that some of the people that were specking on things like this, if they are very informed and in doing it, also like spec on other cards to diversify and maybe this ban leads to other things increasing in price. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, but maybe you also had 500 copters sitting there that were, I think copter was like, was that the card that was the only card they banned where if you like mailed it into them, they would send you like some packs or something? Yeah, because it was like in print set. Yeah. They felt bad and like also didn't ban stuff very often. So funny thing about that is uh, I, I went through my my cell box and I found five smugglers copters, which was like good, but also kind of weird because I know I have like 12 because when Michael Majors originally went to work for Wizards, he handed me a long box of stuff, which was like his busted specs, uh, which was basically a bunch of stuff that he won on but never sold. So he's just specking just to feel good and feel right? Yeah. He's <laughs> I like, love I, it. Got, I got proof. Yeah. And it's like, that's what he took to the bank. Instead I love of checks, it. I love it. You know? <laughs> so I had... I have a bunch of like copters and marvels and God, what was, what was this card? I think it was something that Jake wanted and Jake is a massive Michael Majors fanboy, And he was like, I want this card. I was like, dude, I have like 20 of them. Please take some. And he's like, no, 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 I can't, I can't do that to you. I was like, dude, it's like, I got these for free. Trust me. It's no problem. You know? And he's like, no, I, you know, I'd feel bad or whatever. I was just like, these used to belong to Michael Majors. He gave them to me for free. And he's like, oh my God, I would love to have them. Yeah. Like like that kind of thing. Please um, give them to me. But yeah, I, I, there are a lot of coppers in that box. So I know I got a bunch around here somewhere. I don't know. Might be in like various Canadian Highlander decks or something. I got a few that are nicely sorted, easy to find. Oh yeah, dude. We just, I, we went through your stuff. Um, I I think I probably put them in the the poo box. They might be in the discarded box, so you oh, might have to I, go through that. Maybe I spoke too soon. I'll have to go check. Because I, I didn't think that there was a reasonable chance that if they were going to unban something, that would be Copter. I thought Copter was like maybe top five, you know? Yeah, I'm staring at the ban list right this second and looking at it. I do think that, I mean, it's easy to say in retrospect, right? But when I think about changes to try to get the format to be more interactive, most of the other cards that are on this list probably moat things that are not what I think it needs. That's fair. Right? But I mean, do you want to you want to have this discussion again? Do I mean, we, we talk can. About this? We're going we're going to go back to Pioneer quick. We can. All right, you, you want me to rattle off the list? Okay, no. So I'm I'm looking at it now. People were talking about like walking ballista. That's a hard no for me. Yeah, I don't get why that would be good. Like I, that's one of those cards where it's like, okay, this card is fine, but you can't play it with Heliod. You can't play it with scales. Like, there's just a laundry list of cards that you have to like pair ban it with. It also like the times where it's better. I mean, if, if they unbanned it, I don't think I would be like up in arms about it. But it's hard for me to imagine it having like the effect on the format that I think we need, which is for people to care more about like attacking and blocking and interacting with what's on your opponent's side of the field. Okay, get this though. What if? On the same day that they ban Fury and Modern for effectively invalidating or like doing a lot of good work to invalidate one toughness creatures. They then unban Walking Ballista in Pioneer. 
and are yeah. just like, but in this format, fuck you, one toughness creatures, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, it's it's kind of the same thing to me, where it's like, if they're willing to do this in modern, I mean, apprehensively, right? Like, they're kind of forced to to take well, some kind of action at this point, but it's like... I could I could see it because when you ban Karn, not having the ability to Karn for walking Ballista seems important. I mean, you can just play Ballista in the Nykthos green decks. Like, I, you just... I know that, but the cost is a lot higher, right? Being able to Karn for it would have been problematic. It's not, though. Like, I guarantee you, dude, if Ballista was legal with, like, Karn Devo, they still would have played, like, two main. It's just a good card. Yeah. Yeah, maybe you're right. Um, and then it, with in, in the world we're in now, without Karn, like, say you had Ballista, my goal now is just, like, five, five mana Nyssa, like, Genesis Hydra to find my Nyssa. Uh, maybe you do uh, Wake, whatever, Elemental guys, like, some six-mana guy that goes infinite with Nykthos if you have, like, seven Devo. Spike was playing it today. It was a card I forgot about. Uh, it's just, like, it's so much easier to just, like, you know, Karn kind of, like, goes infinite and does a bunch of stuff. But Ballista is just like, oh, I'm just going to make a bunch of mana and kill you, you know? Yeah, and you it, don't need to go infinite. That, to me, is so much easier. Yeah. And because a lot of the times you're just like, oh, Ballista for five off 10 mana and I won't kill you this turn, but you are dead. Yeah, I, I'm. it's both protection and insurance against you killing me and next turn when I untap, you're dead. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's awesome. Yeah. So, I mean, a lot of the cards that are on here that I would want to see come off or potentially that I would want to explore coming off are the ones that don't have to do with combo stuff. And yeah, there's not a lot of those. I definitely agree with that. Like, no, Inverter and Leyline were two of the cards I brought up. Where like Leyline, if you did something like ban Karn or ban Nykthos, like, uh, but the only maybe, way you're allowed to unban it is if you don't think it's going to get played. So what's the point? Yeah, I, I mostly agree with that. Uh, Inverter is a thing that I think is just pretty mid. It is yeah. a combo-y thing, but I do think it is mid. Yeah. So I think if our goal was to make the ban list as small as possible. Let's just say that was a priority, which I do think aspirationally is not a horrible goal. No, it's not bad, but it's also then, like... Then taking the, those things off would be a reasonable argument. Yeah, the, the trial and error of it all is yeah, generally uh, not worth the opportunity. Yeah, but if we say, hey, like Pioneer gameplay is not super enjoyable or fun and there's not a lot of back and forth interaction, what types of things could we unban to potentially spice things up a little bit? There's not a lot of stuff on this list. Like Hopter is it, man. What about Luris? I mean, do you ban it as a companion? I mean, I don't think it would see play then, and it's probably like toes the line of being too good. But I do think that like the style of gameplay that it promotes is what we need more of. Yeah, but like it's interactive. It sits on top of a bunch of stuff. Like it just say you have Luris, like green black food. Uh, that was like super popular and historic, like crush a bunch of the pro tours and stuff on arena like that sort of deck would just like invalidate any sort of mid-range strategy like you could not give me an excuse to play yeah. something like rakdos or whatever uh when this exists also just very very good against creature decks so does a lot of work just kind of like eliminating them from the format it's just like no. yeah the games are interactive but i don't know also the strat for those pts was just like click fast because you're gonna time out in mirror matches yeah, and like, let me be clear, like, I would not do this lightly or anything, right? Yeah. But I think that it, the style or the potential impact of something like that is where my head would be at. And uh, I, yeah, I agree the style's in the right place. It's not a combo card. 
Yeah. And like, that's kind of what I want to see. And like, I think Copter actually does what Luris would, what I think Luris could hypothetically do, like even better in a more safe way. Right. Yeah. Um, no, you're, you're absolutely right. Like Copter does promote that gameplay. Maybe it promotes some unhealthy things as well, but certainly out of all the cards on the list, like it does that the most and the best, not close. Yeah. Like, I'm skimming through and looking for others and like I mean Oko's not a combo card but not not even remotely close to being allowed. It's it's Luris but fast. It just invalidates a bunch of stuff but it does kill you kind of quick so yeah. it's got that upside. Like I don't think Uro is super crazy. I don't either. I, right? I that was probably the one that I would go to next. Right. Um but that's because there's not a lot of good options. Yeah, I think most of the other things on here belong, right? Like, listen, all the fetch lands, wilderness reclamation, freaking Kethis, like, in like, just keep them there, please. Yeah, um, and like, listen, if if the goal was to make this list as small as possible, like, Field of the Dead can probably come off, but like, nothing good's gonna come from that other than this list being shorter. Well, Field of the Dead does the Luris thing of probably invalidating other mid range decks because it's a mid range deck that just goes over the top of them. And the best field of the dead decks are usually the ones that just try to ignore their opponent. Yeah, which is already the problem we have. So it's not what we want to be promoting. Now, like, listen, like, given where green was at, it probably might not have been a thing to begin with. But there's no positive impact it's going to have, right? Agreed. It's either going to be invisible or bad. Yeah, and Uro is a thing that lives in the middle of Luris and Copter in terms of, like, the kill speed on this thing is not super good and it's pretty annoying where it's like really hard to kill you, really hard to fight you on resources. Uh, so I, I I think it's probably too good or whatever. Yeah. And I didn't but, play with Uro in Standard, but like my experience with it in Legacy is it's both not fun to play with or against. Like whenever yeah. I play with it, it feels bad. I'm like, this is like a bunch of mana. It doesn't really do much. And I'm in Legacy for that, whatever that's worth, right? But then whenever I'm playing against it, I'm like, God dang, that thing is so good because I can only see it when it's doing stuff. And when it's rotting in my opponent's hand, it's invisible to me. Correct. So, yeah. And like you have brought up Winota before and like my general, if they could get, if our goal is to make this list smaller, let's do it. But like that card ain't no fun. Winota is the opposite of Luris where it promotes interaction, but you only have three turns. Yeah. So like you got to do a bunch of stuff on the first three turns or you lose. Yeah, I played a good amount of Pioneer right before Winota got banned, and I was both beating up on the Winota decks and very happy to see it banned. Yeah, so. and I I think that's fair. You know, like you do have to jump through a lot of hoops to be able to keep them down consistently, but like you can do it. It's just not fun and does sort of the dredge problem where it's like I've over invested in like beating this one thing because I have to because it's like good and powerful and popular. But like this is not super fun. Yeah, and then your opponents like pump fake you into a different direction. Yeah, they're just like a hollowed fountain goat, and you're like, God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. So, modern rap. You got any advice for people that have a modern RCQ this weekend? Damn. Uh, thing I will play or thing I will say about white black scam. If you're like, oh, like you know, ephemerate is kind of like a better not dead after all, and like solitude is maybe like the Fury replacement or like a better Fury even in some matchups because it like tags Merktide or whatever. Just know that that deck is slow as hell. Like 
Rakdos was good because it had closing speed. You have Ragavan, your stuff got a little bit of extra power. Not Dead After All helped a little bit too because you got like the little, little chip shot when your thing dies. And Ephemerate does the opposite. Like you don't get the power. Your thing doesn't even get the first attack step. It gets blinked again. So you get to like do your thing again. But like... Yeah, they don't have haste. Not, you're, yeah. you're not attacking until turn... You're not doing it till turn two. Turn three, you're not even attacking. You're not attacking till turn four. Or I guess you can do it turn one, not attacking turn two. Yeah, yeah. So you can attack on turn three, but you miss your turn two attack step. Yeah. And, and your thing is not four power. So like, obviously that scale, like grief is a, a, a five turn clock, right? But it doesn't take a lot of help to make it a four turn clock, which is like pretty damn good. And in, if you ephemerate a grief, you're not killing them to like turn eight or something, you know? It's bad. Yeah. It is yeah, you're, bad. You're, you're a grindy deck, not a, not an aggro deck. At this Correct. Point. Correct. And I think that people need to be aware of that when they start looking at the archetype and trying to, to build it and stuff. And I actually did a decent amount of research on this. Like I looked at every single Solitude Grief Ephemerate deck, uh, including some other reanimator ones, but I, I like mostly skipped over those. But like that's a fine place to be. It's not bad. Uh and people are doing like wildly divergent things that all have pros and cons. Uh, but like, I am pretty familiar with like the cards that exist in that space and the type of decks that it can build and stuff. And it, it should be very telling that many of the lists that I saw that were things that like people routinely stuck with, where it was like, I'm happy with this. I keep winning and it, like, it feels good enough were ones that had, like, I think it's Sam Wise, the Stouthearted or whatever. Do you know this card? Yeah. Lord of the Rings card? Yeah. This is the is combo it, card. Is, no, is it? It's like one dub, two, two. Uh, you, like, rebuy a thing that left the battlefield this turn or whatever? Yeah, I'm, I thought there was a combo with that. Could be wrong. Well, there, there's, like, Sam Wise Gamgee. Yeah, that's the other combo deck. That's the gold card, right? Okay, Samwise the Stouthearted, one dub, two one, uh, legendary flash. When this enters the battlefield, choose up to one target permanent card in your graveyard that was put there from the battlefield this turn, return to your hand. Then the ring tempts you. Okay, little little bit of added value there, but like this is another sort of like scam type of effect that also happens to be a white card, and uh, that kind of matters in terms of like making sure that you have enough white and black cards to pitch. Um, got it. It's like a free pitch. You get your you get your scam creature back in your hand. Yeah. So like you're kind of incentivized to like, oh, I'm just gonna like scam you again, or at least like when turn four, turn five rolls around, I'm just gonna like hard cast my thing or whatever. Uh, but this also can just like rebuy your fetch land, which is kind of cool. Yeah. So it's like a, a good solid card advantage type of engine, but uh, that should tell you more about like where where this deck is going. Uh, yeah, you're other beating your opponent with cards, not with speed. Yeah. And the other thing is brought back. Do you know this one? Nope. Uh, <laughs> this is this is an Aspiring Spike favorite. Uh, dub Dub Instant. I'm going to pull it up so I get the exact text, but it basically rebuys two permanents. I typed in brought back. Brought brought into Google. Into Google. Because I am a dumb dumb. Uh, Choose up to two target permanent cards in your graveyard that were put there from the battlefield this turn. Return them to the battlefield tapped. 
So turn two, you can double fetch, boom, gas. Or you could like solitude fetch, stuff like that. Powerful. It's cool, but you see that it is it is slower. It is very much promoting different gameplay. Yeah. Now, this is like ceiling level, like through the roof compared to some of the other cards we've been talking about. Yeah. But it's I think high ceiling, but there's definitely a non-zero amount of times where you're like, I only got one thing to get back, and like this thing kind of sucks. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. You got to be maxing for that, too. If I was playing modern, I would be trying to avoid all of this shenanigans. You just trying to kill him? You trying to? Are you an amulet gamer now? No, I'm back. I'm a, I'm creativity gamer. No, that's fair. Like I think that like the two decks that are like the most obvious winners from these modern bands are Yogmoth and Hammer. And yeah, I think yeah, I I agree hard on Yogmoth. Absolutely, Hammer. I feel like. They have gotten their deck to a point where Fury is exclusively a one-for-one. Or like, you know, two-for-one against the Fury bird, however you want to describe it. Like, they only have, like, one two-toughness creature in play at any time that will die to it. Fair. Which I think is great. It's very smart for them. Yeah, and, and for whatever it's worth, like, I haven't gotten to the level of thinking through what impact does this have on the rest of the format yet. Right, I'm yeah. on level zero still. Yeah, we're on like what what decks does Copper go in? Not like oh, we need to. Play What's them. good against the decks that once that happens? Yeah, exactly. And I, I'm right there with you too because this one is a little bit deeper. Yes. Uh, so Hammer, I, I think, is happy that Scam is less prevalent because overall the matchup is like kind of tough for them, and they certainly did a lot of stuff to make their Scam matchup better. So now they don't have to do that really anymore, which is good for them too. Yeah, how much can you change how you build the hammer decks? An interesting question. I always thought that I always viewed the the mat the scam matchup as just a flip, but you know, could be either way. And the hammer deck definitely tweaked itself quite a bit to get it to that point, even if it yeah. isn't quite there. I agree. And and then it just got to the point where like the scam decks had to do basically what the hammer decks did. It's like, oh, we have to actually like respect this and have like a nine or ten card sideboard against it. And then maybe the pendulum swings a little bit back in the other direction. But like, yeah, now does like Scam have to play Surge of Salvation? No, they can go back to playing like Blacksmith Skill or Spell Pierce. Like if you want to open up for a splash, I think that's pretty good. And Blacksmith Skill is just like a good card. Dude, great card. Just like as, as a, you know, creativity gamer, that card's kind of annoying. It's got so much text on it, man. It's absurd. You can target their stuff. I know. It doesn't make any sense. It's messed up, dude. Yeah. Their, their little white pump spell shouldn't be able to counter my big, powerful, mythic uh, polymorph. You yeah. know? Come yeah. on. Not cool. Nonsensical. But, yeah, stuff like that where it's like, okay, yeah, like maybe maybe Hammer gets a little bit better, but like I don't think that uh, Fury being gone is necessarily like a big thing for them, but maybe the way the format shifts a little bit in the way it opens up space for uh, them to explore different avenues with their deck building and stuff. Maybe that is a big enough boon to them that it's a big dub. Fair. I will say like, so I think Yogmoth's always a matchup I'm happy to play on the creativity side. Um, yeah, absolutely. I, I've played that matchup quite a bit and it's the games are always close, but I've won quite a bit more of them than I've lost. Hammer's I, another matchup I really enjoy. So like a lot of my logic holds true there. One of the things that makes me nervous is I think people going back to Merktide is a maybe a common reaction that I could see. 
I don't really know exactly why, but I've seen a lot of buzz around it just on the internet. It's, it's like Phoenix and Pioneer. It's just nice to have like a potential comfort pick. Yeah. You know, um, I, I think that's what it is, right? Like we yeah, haven't explored if, anything yet. Yeah. And if you wanted reasons, like I, I never really loved the creativity Merktide matchup in general. So um, that might be a reason to second guess some of my advice or recommendations. Yeah. I mean, there there are versions of creativity out there that could be better against Merktide. I think a lot of the like base blue red ones, I think would be good pretty reasonable against them certainly better than the normal five color ones yeah like i listen i always did fine against it but it reminds me a lot of the scam matchup where like my winning percentage was above 500 but i felt they had a lot of the agency and the games i won were close and the games i lost were not yes yeah i i agree with all of that but still probably like a fine matchup it's just like you know it, it also depends a lot on how many blood moons they're playing right as all things go yeah i mean that's another big question for modern just in general is like you know is is blood moon going to be a card that people play like beanstalk is banned so omnath may like people i think the perception is like oh omnath gets worse but like i don't know that that's true because they were still pretty fine before beanstalk was printed right yeah Uh, i'm not convinced of that losing fury is potentially a hit but they didn't always play fury yeah, I think that the decks that didn't play Fury were playing Beanstalk. So I do think this is a pretty big hit to four color just in general. Cause like, no, I, I'm saying before Beanstalk, you didn't see Fury in Omnath all the time. Oh, okay. And if you yeah. did, it was like two copies or something, you know? Sure. You remember those lists? Yeah. I mean, I wasn't following four color at that point in time as, as closely, but um, yeah. I don't, yeah, I don't I don't know where where Blood Moon is going to end up. Obviously, like Scam was a major part of the metagame. Uh they frequently had at least two Blood Moons, maybe more. So, that was a thing that people like always had to just be aware of and that takes out like a big portion of the Blood Moon gamers and then I think people wanted to use Blood Moon against Omnath a lot, which like I don't I don't think was like particularly good. Yeah, but... probably not a great idea, but you might sneak a win in here and there in. But now, uh, Scam was maybe the worst matchup for Tron, right? For a lot of different reasons, just like Fast Clock, Disruptive, had Blood Moon. And now that Scam is gone, if you're talking about like, oh, people are going to experiment with like these really slow, ponderous, like white-black, sort of like value Scam decks, uh, it's like ripe for Tron. Yeah, sign me up for that. Yeah, um, dude, you you have the deck. It's sleeved. It's ready to go. Yeah. Well, Nico has it, but same thing. Yeah. He's not using it. Let's be real. <laughs> I hope he is, man. <laughs> I mean, he's watching it. You know. Yeah. He's babysitting your Tron deck. See, so, yeah, a lot of questions. It's gonna be really interesting for Modern, and uh, it's I don't know, kind of, kind of sad because now we just move on. It's like standard season, I guess. Denver is modern and is not that far away, so that's cool. Like, within a month, we'll be back in it, so. Yeah, it's super awkward. Very exciting changes to two formats that, like, I have enjoyed but had not been enjoying in the more recent weeks. And now, all of a sudden, I want to play them a bunch, and it's about to be standard season. Yeah. Not not great. But, to be fair, standard is kind of, like, shiny and new. Yeah. You haven't haven't played much. No, and I will. I'm going to definitely, I started to poke around a little bit. Uh, mostly in the last week where like paying attention to the other formats seemed irrelevant knowing that changes were coming. Yeah. I sent you my standard deck list. Yeah, it confused me. You didn't respond at all. I 
I didn't even give it a thumbs up because I yeah, wasn't no, sure if I liked it. No thumbs up on this one. No. Uh, have you seen decks like this? I mean, or or have you been that out of the loop? Because blue white is kind of crushing it. Okay. So that's that's step one. That is a thing that will maybe validate my bad choices at least a little bit, to where it can get you to the point where it's like, okay, this is at least like a respectable archetype. Yeah. Well, I, it, it's not that far off from like blue white hu- blue white flash or humans or whatever you want to call it being a thing. And then also like whatever the Esper midrange decks are, and you just basically cut the black from the Esper deck, right? Yeah, because like Rafine is good, spot removal is pretty good, but you don't need those things. And there are certainly enough playables in just blue and white to get by. And having a much cleaner mana base is definitely very nice. Yeah, and you got a lot of two ofs or whatever, so I'm sure there's an opportunity to clean some of this up once we learn more. Nah, man. Uh, so... The two ofs were where I dirtied up other people's clean deck lists. Okay. <laughs> we're just diversifying a little bit. Got it. But but I played a set of games, uh, not as much as my run in Explorer with a bunch of bad decks that was ultimately very unfulfilling and left me just feeling hollow. But uh, my games with this deck were pretty fun. Uh, I think I won a lot of them. And I was actually surprised by how much I liked some of the cards that I included that I was just trying. Where it was like, all right, I'm going to... These look like they could be okay. Some I've seen them in some other deck lists, but it's not like widely adopted yet. I'm going to just try them out. And now I'm just like, man, I kind of want to add more of these cards. So uh, two of the cards. Kite Sail Larcenist is uh, 2U, 2-3, Flying Ward 1. And uh, ETB for each player including yourself. I don't know how often you're actually going to do this. I haven't done this yet. Uh, you, you basically turn one of their artifacts or creatures into a treasure until this thing dies. Basically kind of like a fiend hunter is how I view it. Yeah, it is It is blues, brutal Cathar. Yeah. But it's flying. It has ward one. Uh, it's it's monocolored versus, you know, playing playing stuff like Rafine or whatever. So you got that going on too. It is, it's quite nice, man. And it it tagging artifacts was maybe not super relevant before, but now the the subterranean schooner is is kind of killing it. It's just like good stat line, good cards. Yeah. Uh, so that card I was very happy with. Uh, Tashana's Tidebender or Tidebinder is the card that shows up in a lot of the lists, and I think for good reason. There are a lot of like very appealing, very attractive targets. For cards this. real, man. It is, dude. It is real. I slapped on it so hard. Yeah, it, and in a bunch of formats, like just consistently overperforming everywhere I see it. So, so you have things like domain ramp picking up uh, a lot of things that enable them to be just like a clean green white deck instead of having to like splash around in a bunch of different colors. So that's good for them. They also get four cavernous souls for their seven angels that previously decks like this would have had to rely on like make disappear for. Pretty yeah. annoying. Uh, but Tidebinder actually kind of kind of like okay with that. I mean, you do have to like one, two, like Tidebinder, the Atraxa, and then maybe destroy Evil It or something, but it's better than just losing on the spot. I mean, and, the Atraxa doesn't have any text, right? It's just a 7-7 seven, seven dino at that point, right? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's still a, a very big flyer that's in the way, right? Well, not flyer. Or not, yeah. not flying, yeah, I guess, but yeah. Yeah, <laughs> the Tidebinder, man, I've learned a lot about that text and how that Yeah, it does not enchantments. Yeah, which is 
<laughs> mind boggling still. But. God, what? Where did this? This came up on the arena open. We were no, no, no. This came up again for me recently, and I got to I got to watch someone go through the exact same thing that we did. Oh, um, but it was like a real format or something, and it was like a weird card. Uh, but yeah, basically in in the format that has like dousing device and uh whatever the shadows card is, grasp of shadows, I think. Uh, and then there's like another one that I came across too, where I was like, yeah, there is just like a lot of these. You can stifle the like one of the triggers on it or whatever, but it doesn't turn off enchantments. It only turns off artifacts and creatures. And planeswalkers. And, and planeswalkers, sorry. Yeah. Which is a guy. Just I, like... I, honestly, I, I didn't mention that one because I haven't played against a planeswalker in so goddamn long. Yeah. You're playing with planeswalkers, so. Also, what? like, that might debatably be one of the better ones. Which one? Planeswalker has no text. Oh, sure. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. I guess I, I do technically have like Wandering Emperor in my deck, but it's like, I don't, I don't view that card as a Planeswalker. Yeah. It's like, like, like pl- a Planeswalkers to me, yeah, Planeswalkers to me are just like, if I don't die, I definitely win the game. And that is not Wandering Emperor. Correct. Correct. So, Wandering uh, Emperor is like a flash removal spell. Yeah. Tidebinder, I could also see going up on because in order to dirty up this deck list, I had to cut a couple. So I only have two of those, but they're good. Yeah. Uh, and the other one is Unctus. Grand Metatech, where I sent this list to Cho also because I know that he just like occasionally dabbles in standard. Uh, he is like incredibly good at making sure that he does his dailies every day on okay. Arena. Okay. Which is unreal to me. Yeah, I've never, I don't even, there are dailies on Arena. Yeah. It's yeah I, do not, I do not care. It's all yeah. fake currency, but it's like he is just swimming in it. He is filthy Arena rich because he is dutifully grinding out his games. Got it. With just a true like, World of Warcraft player always does yes, his dailies. Yes, uh, and he's just playing like the same bullshit deck list that he copied eight months ago. Yep. Well, listen, man. As long care. as it's the right colors for my daily, that's all I need. Yeah, exactly. So I sent it to him, and he was like, "Thank you for putting Unctus on the bottom so that I could read it." And I was like, "Dude, I know that we played a bunch of this limited format. Like, you should kind of remember what this card does." But this was maybe more of a me thing and less of a him thing, where I like the artifact decks and. He's just trying to like raw green monster attack you, kill you kind of thing. But uh, Unctus, Grand Metatech, 1UU, 2-4, Legendary Artifact Creature, Phyrexian Vidalcan. And this card has a lot of lines of text that are like kind of related, but oddly not related. Okay, so uh, other blue creatures you control have, whenever this becomes tapped, draw a card, then discard a card. Other artifact creatures you control get plus one, plus one. And uh, you can pay... Phyrexian blue mana. So it's it's one mana, either Phyrexian or blue mana. Until end of turn, target creature you control becomes a blue artifact in addition to its other colors and types. Activate only as a sorcery. So your blue cards get the tappy discardy thing. He pumps artifact things, can turn your things into blue artifacts, but it's weird where it's like, all right, I have like this random artifact and this random blue guy and Unctus is interacting with them in like different ways, but I can like turn them, you know, it's just a weird ass card. Yeah. But it's, dude, honestly, it is real good. And, like, listen, the the subterranean schooner or whatever, like, we basically have a small ghost copter now, right? Worse, for sure, but... Well, not if we got Unctus out. Well, yeah. I mean, there have been 
a handful of blue two drop vehicles that have been released over the last few years. Where I'm like, oh, maybe this is actually pretty good. And they all bricked every single one of them. Not this one. And so I just kind of like didn't even think about this one. I was like, surely. And it's like, oh, no, this is the one that actually is is actually good enough in hits because like for toughness on a lot of this stuff is relevant. Uh, exploring is. You know, it's it's not that's you made the copter comparison or whatever, and it's like it's not as good as looting straight up. It just isn't, you know, like obviously when you have Uncas in play already, then yeah, sure, you're doing the same thing. But like Explore does a lot of cool stuff where it's like growing a specific threat, like you're getting your Denic bigger or your random flyer bigger, or you're just like drawing extra lands, making sure you hit your land drops, you know, that's that's pretty great. And then when you have the man Unctus, then you just end up having like a bunch of extra pieces of cardboard that you can pitch to this thing too. Yeah. And <laughs> Rafine is great, right? But like, I always wanted a way to just like give me more cardboard or to like discard things for value because like pretty soon, you know, you just like run out of stuff to do, stuff to pitch. Yeah, there's a lot of good things going on here. Yeah, can, it's you, good. can you send me a deck list in text message format of this? <laughs> Ironic. <laughs> but yes, I will. I will get on Arena because unlike you, I'm a good friend. Well, Snook wanted on his phone. <laughs> yeah. So I don't really understand where he was coming from fully yet, but. I don't know. I don't yeah. know, man. Rakdos gamers are built different. We know that. Yeah. Weird, weird, weird. So anyway, I, I like this deck. I was also trying uh, Hopeful Initiate in the extra one drop slot. Uh, what were what were people playing instead? The The rare, the Warden of the Sky or whatever. Yeah, neither feel great. I, I think Initiate gets the nod because eventually you will disenchant some stuff and like crewing the Schooner helps build this up without like potentially risking it in combat. And yeah. the disenchant is actually pretty valuable. Yep. Yep. That makes a lot of sense, especially with all the virtues going around. So makes sense. And then I'm trying to Dusk Legion Duelist because I like the card and it works with the Schooner. But I'm, <laughs> but I'm only playing one because it's a pretty bad card. Yeah, but, but you got to live the dream. But like, you got the sirens to make some maps too, and yeah. so like, yeah, you got oh, this this little guy maybe providing an engine. Uh, yeah, you got your virtue, your wandering emperors, man. There's a lot of different ways to pump this boy up. Yeah, no, that dude. That's what I'm saying. Like right? wedding announcement. Like, yeah, dude, the card looks actually pretty good in this. Well, wedding announcement doesn't put counters. Oh sure, but all the other stuff, yeah, it does work. So I've I've drawn a few cards off this guy. I'm just saying, like as a one of, it doesn't seem that bad. Uh, uh, you probably have to put a gun to my head to get me to add a second one. Yeah, well, that means we probably get... shouldn't have the first, but... I, I agree. Uh, the other thing that I'm trying, which is uh, also pretty cope, is playing a couple copies of Demolition Field to tag Cavern of Souls, which is just silly because it's like they're ramping and this is a thing that is like setting you behind. Um, but I was like, I, I'm just going to play a couple because like the mana base is pretty clean. You can afford it. Um... And it's, it's just never come up. So those those can probably go, almost certainly. And also, I think just, like, the the texture of the matchup changes. Where, like, before, you could always, like, make disappear the Atraxa pretty easily. And now I think the emphasis is, like, you have to stop them from sweeping you and then deal with, like, Atraxa and Archangel of Wrath in different ways. Yeah. Which, and that's it. It's, it, it's harder. For it's sure. a much more interesting dynamic from both sides. I agree. I agree. So, but uh, it's it's got some issues, 
for sure. Like I, I think it is maybe a slight favorite against domain, but definitely not by much if it is. And it's hard. It's it's like you're talking about with creativity against like Merc Titan scam. It's like, yeah, maybe after you play a hundred matches against them in a tournament setting, like you're up a little bit, but like it's hard. You have to work for all those wins for sure. Yeah, no free ones. Nope. So I mean, honestly, you you will probably get some free ones, but like that is a big part of your win percentage. Yeah. It's like, oh, the ramp deck stumbled. All right, I'm copying it to my clipboard. I'm sending it to you on Discord. I appreciate you. Do you look at that? I even have a side. Well, I have most of a sideboard. Three, six, nine. I have ten sideboard cards. <laughs> We're probably gonna not copy paste those in. I don't want to be wasting any rare wild Yo, cards. Yo, and we got the thumbs up. Let's go. We're in. I am validated. I'm gonna keep doing this. Uh, one of the cards in my sideboard is an overcharged amalgam, which is just a card I like, but is probably not good. Got it. Do you know All this right. card? I don't. It's it's Mystic Snake, but you have to sack a creature. Yeah, we're just going to copy the main deck and go from there. Best of ones for me for now. Yeah, I mean, that's what I was doing too, clearly. So, dude, Magic's exciting now. I'm Uh, excited. There's a lot to talk about. We didn't even get to Legacy, and you have Legacy Eternal Weekend this weekend. That's fine. No one cares. Yeah. Well, we'll get to do story time after. Yeah, I also played a tournament last weekend. No one cares. It's fine. No, we'll get to it. Best time for me. All right, man. Uh, This this ruled. I'm, I'm excited. You're excited. Um, I'm pretty happy. If you have thoughts on any of this stuff, send them to me, please. I could use all the help I could get. Send them to me. I might give you a thumbs up. Yeah, but it's it's a might though. So yeah. it's like I could I could do it, and then when I get the thumbs up, it's like it's like smoking a cigarette. It just takes me back to neutral. But like if I don't get to smoke a cigarette, then I just feel bad. Got it. Got it. All right, Which we'll is, work on that. We got to work yeah, on the reactions. Also a reason for me to, you know, maybe quit smoking, but, you know, it's hard. It ain't easy. Baby steps. Game. Good luck.